0: G'day and welcome to the Fly Fisher Podcast. Since 1967, we've been spreading the bug of fly fishing. Join us as we celebrate the fun of fly fishing and chat with characters that enjoy it as much as we do. Whether you're just starting out or have some experience, we hope our ego-free commentary helps demystify fly fishing and inspires you to visit new places and try new techniques. Looking forward to a bit of a chat. (laughs) You're a bit loud, mate. Put it down. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, that's perfect Keep doing that I don't want you hurting your back Oh dear You're an old man, so (laughs) Oh, we're we're recording We're recording, yeah Oh, really? Yeah Oh, (laughs) sorry guys (laughs) Um Welcome to another episode of the Flyfishers podcast. Uh, sorry we've been on a bit of a hiatus for a, a little while, but it's taken me some time to get the two blokes sitting down with us here today to actually be here. So we've got Sam Stringer and Gus Ingram with us uh, today. Um, we've been out and had a bit of a liquid lunch on a Friday and we are raring to go. <laughs>
1: We're ready. Guys We're welcome <laughs> Thanks Andy, it's very nice to be here
0: um, But yeah seriously these guys are, I think um, a lot of people Will be able to relate to them They're, They are busy guys, it's taken a bloody long time To get you here, I mean what do you guys do Why is it <laughs> taking so long Yes, work, families, it's a challenge these days. It is, it certainly is. I think everyone feels the same sort of pain, but um, you guys are genuinely busy though, both professionally and, and at home. Um, and, you, you know, first of all, how old are you, Gus? <laughs> Thanks, mate. I think I might be looking a little older than
1: my, uh, <laughs> than my birth certificate states at the moment. <laughs> I'll be hitting the big four-zero this December. You are joking. And um, celebrating with uh, I don't know a week or ten days in the South Island, of New Zealand seems appropriate Four. to me. Oh, great, that's the
0: plan. Awesome. Yeah. And Sam, you've just been celebrating a similar
2: milestone, haven't you? Mate, I've just turned forty in May, um, which which I, I think is definitely a thing. I say like you'll, it's something to sit on and reflect on where you've come from, where you're going, and forty is very much it's a milestone for sure. So yeah, I turned forty in May. Wow. Yeah.
0: I'm 37 in August and I'm sort of looking at 40 to be like, I mean, is it, does it feel different? What's happening now? Like, do you feel like you should have made it by now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind admitting I was a judger. I remember going to my sister's 40th, she's nine years older than me with, um, my reasonably new girlfriend at the time, just looking around going, look at these bleary-eyed, grey-headed folks here. Yeah. Uh, And that's exactly where I'm at right now with young children. So, um, yeah, it's a thing. Why not make it a thing? Go and celebrate it. Go on a fishing trip.
0: Well, actually, it's funny you say that, mate, because about three years ago I uh, said to my wife, I was like, at 40, oh. I'm having a gap year. I never got the gap year after school. I want the gap year when I turn 40 <laughs> and that's what's happening. But now that I'm looking at the pointy end of it, I just don't know how I'd be able to get there. But anyway, we can No, we you're can in try. the shop worrying about how close you are to 50 now. I know. That's exactly right. <laughs> I'm counting down, aren't I? Yeah, 14 yeah. years away. <laughs> I'm only 14 years away from 50 and that sounds,
2: uh, you know, that hurts. Oh, you know what, like uh, leading up to 40, I've sort of, ooh, even at 40, I'm probably much closer to 20 than I am to 40 in <laughs> my uh, <laughs> maturity <laughs> level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly guilty of that. Uh, so 40 means nothing.
0: Yeah. old oh, disgracefully, as Jim Allen would say. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, you know, uh, I, I do want to just find out a bit more uh about your fly fishing where it all started for you so um you know Gus when did you first pick up a fly rod how old were you where was it what happened
1: yeah thanks Andy um there's been fly rods around my knocking around my back veranda for as long as I can remember to be honest and I didn't really cast one in earnest properly until about my mid-20s grew up to south of Kyneton you know Ballarat type climate had the farm dam heaps of fond memories of catching big, fat, stocky rainbows in that dam. I think I stocked it three times over the years, you know, on spinners and things. And in the springtime, and I can remember catching a big four-pounder before school once in about grade five and was covered in blood and eggs and so thought that was awesome. Yeah. Um. But just, yeah, didn't quite get right in touch with fly fishing to my mid-20s. And that time, um, I mean, it sounds a little far-fetched, but – um. I was in Patagonia, I was on a backpacking trip, I'd been living in Argentina for nearly a year, and um, didn't have any gear with me, but I thought, I'm going down to Patagonia for a couple of months, I've got a backpack and a tent and hiking boots, I'm going to buy some crappy fly fishing gear and go cast some flies for as best I could, and I did that for nearly two months, Wow. and uh, I reckon 90% of it was throwing woolly buggers in big intimidating rivers. And uh, didn't know a lot about what I was doing. I could cast, mm. could, um, and you've got to be able to cast a bit down there in the wind, uh, and a lot of it was in the river mouths, as you probably know, or the bockers, as they call them, yep. where rivers going in or out of a lake, and fish tend to move there, congregate there in the morning or the evening, and they were cold, mm. um, but yeah, fond memories of, that's sort of where I really got started. That was about my, I don't know, 26, I suppose. Yep. Yeah, and any casting tuition to that point? like Very little. I remember doing a little bit on the dam at home, but... You know, it just it, I hadn't been around someone to really foster it. Yeah, you know, and um, it's not till I sort of, um, I guess, I developed a bit of a group of mates around in and around Melbourne. Sam obviously been. Key part of that, where you know, when you're having fun with someone doing it, it just takes off. It does, yeah.
0: To share that addiction with someone is really
1: what you know takes all the nuances and the experiences and all that stuff. That's when it really started to take Mm -hmm. off, I think.
0: That growth curve, too, right? Like when you are sharing it with someone, it just seems to accelerate everything, absolutely. Yeah, I've learned heaps from my mates and you know, sessions
1: with Tommy Jarman in recent years and all that kind of stuff. Just, yeah. Learned plenty, but
0: wouldn't consider myself a very good fisherman still, but much better than I used to be. He's being very modest. I think, you know, when you work in a shop like The Fly Fisher, you're exposed to uh, so many people that fly fish and where they've come from. And these two guys, when they are in, you can just tell. They catch fish, you know, there's, there, I guess there's, we all like to talk about it, but these guys are actually out there doing it and their skill level, you can tell, and the fish that they catch is uh, a little above the norm or the average. So they are in the top 10%, I would say, which is, was part of the reason that I wanted them around the table to, uh, to bring a, a podcast episode to you because they, you know, they fish and it's their passion. You know, the overwhelming thing with you two blokes is that fly fishing is your passion. Um, But Sam, what about for you, mate? Like your old man, obviously, fly fishes.
2: Where and at what age did did you get first introduced to it? Yeah, um, it's funny you say that, you know, um, and I'll come back to Dad and and where I started in a minute, but in our mid-20s, Gus and I – a f- there'll be a few guys that know us but Gus and I went to school together and then you're a big deal a he lot of people know you mate. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hi Mum. hi dad <laughs> <laughs> finally made it to a podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah in about our mid-20s you know life takes you in different paths and and we're off Gus and I went off and different did different things but in our mid-20s I remember getting I think it might have even been an email from you Gus from Patagonia saying oh I've, you know I've started fly fishing and, and I you know, you know, you've done a little bit and, you know, maybe when I come back we can, we can do a bit more and mm. this and that and, and so sure enough, Gus came back and he actually drove it. Like, Gus is an amazing networker and, and yep. persevered with maintaining that contact and, re- and reconnecting and, and we ended up doing, well, we do quite a lot of our fishing together um, and, you know, spent many years on the and beside each other saying things like, whoa... <laughs> 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 Look at him. Go Look at him. Do you want him? No, no. I'll go. I'll go. Okay. No, no. I'll go. I'll go. But yeah, we've uh, we we have done a lot of fishing together over the years, and and it's good when you find someone that you click with because there is rivers and trout where you definitely work better as as a team. Um, and and you know, there's people that you. Everyone's different, and you learn something different from every single person you fish with. And there's people that. Uh, you are better than and there's people that are way better than you that you learn from all the time you learn from everyone no matter what their level but Mm -hmm. um, you know Gus and I bounce off each other so well that when we're fishing you know you get into this sort of uh, I guess a groove where it's so comfortable and you do probably pull fish out when you get to know each other that well yeah so um
0: do you feel the same, Gus, in relation to Sam? Because <laughs> oh, I wish I could. <laughs> or is, say it, it is some, he just totally <laughs> in love with you, and you maybe just, <laughs> <laughs> just carry the beers, mate? <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure the feelings mutual, mate. But um, it is
1: a, a, a few years ago. I actually, got as much pleasure out of just spotting fish on the Golden, for instance, because it's a that is a difficult fishery. Yeah, no doubt about it. It has its challenges and. Sort of sorts the weight from the chaff a bit, I find. But, you know, when you're up high spotting for someone, you're, you're actually getting all the visuals and the bloke's just doing the casting. You can't see anything quite often. It's down. as
0: good as being on the rod, isn't oh, it? So level, yeah, yeah. So so exciting.
1: Yeah. Oh, here it, here it comes, here it comes. You know, and the bloke's just on the rod going, where, where? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that that,
0: awesome. yeah, it is. Those sort of rivers. it's a bit of fun. Yeah. So coming back from South America, you guys hooked up. The Goldman was kind of where where you know you were focusing your attention with with
2: your life. I reckon at that that's point. where we got into it a bit. Um, mm. I, mean, I was, I I was repping. Few, I, 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 I took a rep job with Bayer, an, an animal health company. I'm not sure if it's just the ABC, <laughs> 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 um, a, a multinational animal health corporation. And um, the, I remember going for the interview, and and they said, "How are you?" feel about spending a week, a month in Tasmania. And I just went, oh, my God, um, <laughs> where do I sign? <laughs> so I took this job as a rep selling um, essentially lousicide to farmers and and spent you know probably a week every six weeks, I suppose, it ended up being down in Tasmania. And it was really, really hard to leave that job. In, in fact, I think my wife was the person that said, you need to leave that <laughs> job now and come and spend some time with your two children at home. Yeah, wow. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was you know that it was an amazing job. I used to look after Gippsland and Tasmania, and f- as a fly fisherman, it was one of the best opportunities to go fishing on uh, <laughs> and have a have a paid car and be do whatever on you work want. Work time. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say a it, long lunch I break. Thinking. I bet it was.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's good, mate. And you had some good experiences down there
2: on the rivers. In Tassie. Mm. Yeah, I've always, you know, rivers for me, I've always been drawn to rivers more so than lakes. Um, and, yeah, I've definitely spent some time exploring the lakes, not as much as I'd like to, and there's obviously an, a lifetime worth to do in the Western Lakes down there. But the rivers is what draws me. Um, and, you know, in that particular job that <laughs> I had, I had the opportunity to go and explore some places in through private property and have access to some amazing parts of some amazing rivers in tassie and uh talking to some you know some local fishermen down there farmers slash fishermen and i just got some great opportunities to explore some water down there that not many other people get to so i was yeah i was very lucky but the rivers is what draws me more so than the lakes
0: yeah what about yourself gus is the running water that you're into too do have a natural affinity for Mm. it definitely um when you grow up in a
1: farm dam I think one of the first sort of stream memories I have is on the Jamison, where mm. a family friend had had a little 100 acres or something like that on the outskirts of Jamison, throwing celters, you know, into the into the white water, pulling out little fish. It's just gorgeous water, isn't it? When you, Mm. you know, you grew up in the Edward River, up at Denny. Yeah, it's different. Latte water, and you go, how nice is this? (laughs) clear stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's gorgeous. Yeah, you kind of don't think it would even exist until you see it. And that's all I'd experience mainly, you know, the typical northeast streams. And then you go down to Taz and you experience side fishing on the lakes, go, wow, this is also something Mm. pretty freaking cool. And I've not really had a good day sharking yet even. So... Mm. um, You know, in a previous role, I was in Tassie for a while too and uh, what do you know, the Tyena River flows into the Derwent. I was sort of Derwent Valley based and actually quite a bit of sight fishing to be done on the Tyena um, and I, I had a great day down there. Went for the first time I spent a day fishing with Tommy Jarman. It's like, there's a lot to be learned about live fishing that I do not yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, I reckon on that day, it was my first foray into nymphing. Mm. I reckon we caught about 40 fish. In the Tyena, which is, uh, you know, we know it's got a very heavy trout population, uh, I reckon I got about 35 and did 95% of the fishing <laughs> and in the 5% the German did, you know, just going, oh, you just do it like this and do it over there. Oh, there's one there. Oh, there's yeah, there's another one there. Yeah. <laughs> like, far out. How can that lie have six fish? He goes, oh, if you're any good,
0: you should get most of
1: them. You should get five <laughs> of the six. like <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah just it was a it was really eye opening actually yeah just that realization that there's a a next level in your fly fishing that you could potentially get to if you really work at it and not in and uh I was like
1: catching fish is fun for me mm. and uh yeah it's not the same as casting a beautiful black spinner out in the western lakes and seeing the big copper shimmer you know rise towards mm. it. that's just different, mm. but you're still fun, you're hooked up, it still takes skill, mm. you've got to get drifts right, mm. you know, and you're still in a beautiful place so um yeah, you know, I don't mind saying
2: I've got into euro and loved it in the last few <laughs> years, and that's been fun. Yeah. So it's not all I do. It's the has fun. Gus, I, I, do you remember a day I came down and we fished the Tyena together, and it was one of those days I think we would have caught, oh, uh, conservatively, I don't know, 30 fish each, and and they all seemed to be you a know, pound and a half, decent, decent fish, and it was all dry fly fishing and it was all visual, and it was one of the most incredible days of fishing I've ever had. It was with Gus and... and I mean there's a bit of a theme developing here but once again I was on the clock I was working and <laughs> 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 I remember it, it was about 3:30 in the afternoon and everything was just at its absolute peak and it was insects oh my god it was mm. just insane and I had to sign into a telco for work <laughs> So right. I just put myself on mute and had my earplugs in And I was casting with, my ha- with, with one hand Holding the phone above the water And the other <laughs> hand just going fish, fish, fish a <laughs> <consummate> professional <laughs> And then it just got to the point about, you know, about an hour or half an hour in Or whatever it was Where I was just like oh, I, ca- I can't do this anymore So I just sort of took myself off mute And went uh, mm, uh, di- mm, uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and Oh, he's done it again. Oh, oh. Sam, Sam's in Tassie again. Bad reception oh, down man. there. Yeah, they're still
0: felling, figuring out telecommunications down in Tasmania. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that is good, mate. Well played. Um, so, guess what was it that brought you down to Tassie? You, you work. Work um, role,
1: yeah. So I work in ag, and uh, there was an asset management role going down there for a company developing farms, and now I'm focused on Taz and yep. they needed a man down there to project manage and oversee operations. Um, so I flew in, flew out for eighteen months, and then um, you know made sure I was down there for the other eighteen months. Um, I bet you. They needed did. a guy in,
0: in the state, so um, but we, you know, you clearly put your hand up. You made that position available for you, right? Like this is Tassie was talk them into it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um,
1: and look, I wish I'd done more, but it, it, I tell you what, if you haven't fished Tassie, and some mates of mine who have um, just got into fly fishing in the last four or five years still haven't got there, I'm like you, just get down there. Yeah. Like it is a little, you know, the fear—not the fear of the unknown, but a little intimidating, perhaps. Like where mm. do I start? The Western Lakes—it's all so expansive, and there's so much to do. And where do you go to? Just go and get started. Doesn't matter if you do the Duan Valley uh, tribs like the Sticks mm. and the Tyena. Can't go wrong with the Tayana. Cannot. you um, know, the Florentine, those kind of rivers, and then south of Hobart, the Weld and so forth, they're also good. And or just go and get a guide for two days out of Tayana. That's an um sorry, that's a great start. It is. It's yeah. just a it's a
2: phenomenal fishery. Obviously, you could
1: wax lyrical about it all
2: yeah yeah oh we all could (laughs) i think i think tassie and you know like i want to move on i'd like to move on from here but i think tassie you can jump on a plane in the morning and you can be fishing before you know you can grab a coffee out of hobart and you can be fishing in an hour Mm. in some of the best rivers debatably anywhere in the world um and then you can be back you know for so people with families or you know depending on what stage of life you're at it's it's not cost inhibitive and it's very very achievable and there's a lot of fish in those rivers Mm. so it's it's forgiving as well it is it's only just beyond a day trip isn't it it's a week like a weekend you can do tassie without question yeah Yeah. um but you know like tassie's amazing there is also some incredible trout and incredible fishing within two hours of melbourne in a lot of directions Mm. and i think that um you know talking about jet setting and flying around and you know no doubt We'll touch on gear at some stage, but you don't need the resources that a lot of people think that you need in fly fishing to catch amazing fish. It's you, accessible, isn't it's it? It's extremely accessible. The amount of three pound trout that I've caught within two hours of Melbourne is, is 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 incredible. You know, and and you get shocked in which streams people target and where the where the fish actually are. So, you know, you open your eyes and look at tributaries and look at backwaters and look at look at areas that don't get fish normally. It's it's, it's often where the fish are.
0: Yeah. No shortage of water and places to explore. Absolutely
2: not. The Yarra Valley has so much water that does not get fished. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the Goulburn, you know, that was obviously a place that you guys poked around pretty heavily. Where else have you guys fished together? Oh, well, look, Sam introduced me to the Upper Mitter, which I unashamedly
1: fell in love with. You know, it's a – and what's to love about the Upper Mitter? You know, it's remote, by Victorian standards, takes you at least five hours to get there. You're out of phone reception – It means you don't run into the BCF crowd. I I described just that's those that need to be within 90 minutes of Melbourne and rock up and, you know, Mm. you you, you get water to yourself consistently. You do. And, um, you know, the rivers are in beautiful nick and on a stay, it's just hard to beat. Mm. Um, So those sort of, you know, those Dartmouth tribs and up there around Inglis Rest and over the back of Hothman Falls are pretty magic to my mind. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the North is hard to beat, I reckon, and yep. having backpacked around the world a fair bit back in the day and gone to all sorts of blue lines on the map over the years because there were trout there, um, yeah, they're pretty decent, I reckon, pretty decent by world standards. Obviously, you've got your NZs and so forth, but they're pretty good, the yeah. northeast on their day, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, that solitude and remoteness, you definitely get that from what we have here, right? Yeah, mm. Yep.
1: Yeah, there's nothing like a big snake coming down the tree branch. Right next, <laughs> you're <know? laughs> <laughs> not going to get that in NZ. That keeps ticking. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah,
0: Sam, you've got a you know particular affinity for snakes too, don't you? Uh yeah, yes. <laughs> I was I was bitten by a tiger snake and got pretty cooked there. Yeah, I think you're the only bloke I know that's actually been bitten
2: by a snake, mate. And you know, lived let's just put outside. this into context. He does live with a snake. <laughs> <laughs> my son, my ten-year-old son, has a snake in his bedroom. Oh yeah. wow!
0: Yeah, jeez,
2: yeah, he he loves it.
0: I actually don't know what to say to that, but <laughs> that is some solid parenting right there. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: uh, also, so you, an
2: avid fly fisherman. Yeah, yeah. But um, the northeast um, is my really my introduction to fly fishing. Um, dad, my grandfather actually a long time ago, but. Um, Dad, we spent a lot of time camping and exploring around um, Benambra, and my 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 earliest memories is on the Jibbo River, flinging celters around while Dad was was fly fishing, and then, you know, probably I, I really don't know when I caught my first trout. Probably around ten years old, I suppose. But I, I, I actually remember my first trout dropping a dropping a grasshopper pattern. I think we used to actually catch grasshoppers and have a little cage on our hip belt. Where we'd put, we'd fill up the little cage with grasshoppers and put them onto a hook and flick them out, and um, yeah, I remember dropping it down on, in front of a, a rock on the Jibbo and pulling this and being a sh- probably sh- more shocked than the trout really to, to catch one, but um, yeah, the Jibbo River in the early days was was pretty even still now is is a pretty incredible river. And then when I finished school, um, I went and worked for a lady called Helen Packer. Um, I owned a property called the Willows on the Bundara and did a lot of her horse breaking and and taking trail rides out over the high plains so got very very familiar with the country up there and and as Gus said you know introduced him to the upper midder so we, we I spent a lot of my early 20s exploring up round through that high country and all the upper areas of the rivers that were very inaccessible we'd ride into or we'd hike into and um yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing, actually, those, what I would call the early days, the, as the kids now call <laughs> the olden days, <laughs> Daddy in the olden days. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's you know, what it is now up there is very, very, very similar. In fact, it's probably some of its better fishing than it was 20 years ago. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um,
0: how long were you at, at Packers 4? That must have, like, what, a couple oh, of
2: years, did you? Look, my, my first... Season, my first summer I ever did up there was when I was fourteen. Helen Packer bought me my first six pack of v b handed <laughs> it out the the window of the dinner plane hotel outstanding yeah. yeah um my family used to breed a lot of horses and we would send the young ones up there and put them into her She needed horses, and we needed someone to ride our horses um into the trail riding business up there and so you know essentially, from about the age of fourteen, I was up there exploring and riding horses and 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 exploring that country so it, but but realistically, it wasn't till I was in my early twenties that I went up there and worked full time. But I did I did um, two full summers, but then a lot of time in between, sort of exploring up there. And then you know, there's a lot of fly fishing. She she had an accommodation business as well, and it, it was I, I met um, we mentioned before Max Caruso that who you know, works here, who works yep. here, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and a friend of his, Dale McCabe. So those guys came up and you know used to picked my brain about areas and how it was fishing and where to go. But and, then, and then, you know, they in return they, they sort of introduced me to Mars Wilson and, you know, my fly box, probably even now really, but my fly box back then had about three or four flies in it, you know. That was, that was it. And I've never been all that hooked on gear. Um, and, and I remember them chucking me a wee creek hopper once mm. or a few wee Creek hoppers and said, try one of these. <laughs> and and it, it changed my mind. And from that moment on, Muzz Wilson um, was, you know, used to just look at him as if he was like a god. And, and I remember once he was up there when he came and stayed up there and, and I, Dad was there with me as well. And we were, and both of us were a bit awestruck and we ran up there and we sat down with Muzz. <laughs> we're having a couple of beers. <laughs> <laughs> And, and he just, he just went – he opened his fly box up and just started piffing flies at me across the table. Wow. And I was just like, oh, and I'd pick each one up and I'd be looking at him like, what do you call this, Muzz? What's this <laughs> one? It's like, right, can we swear? He's like, yeah, it's yeah, fuck. Yeah. It's fucking food. Mate. <laughs> 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 and he he, he just—he was my type of bloke. Like he, he was, just yeah. kept it pretty simple. You know, they will eat that, mate. Yeah, eat that. Yeah, don't ask me what it is. I'll eat it. You yeah. know. So it, you know, it, I met lots, I mean, and that's fly fishing, isn't it? Like you meet so many people.
0: It seems to be, yeah. Mm. You know, everyone's that that connected in some way. That you know, it, it, it's a very small little lunchbox that we're in. Mm.
2: Mm. Mm. For sure.
0: But Muzz was a very special man, you know. Like, I think he's, uh, it's a, it barely a year goes by where we don't think about him. Absolutely. You know, like his flies are in our fly boxes and, you know, he was a character. He yep. was, wasn't I, he?
2: I've still got some Muzz Wilson flies that I refuse to use just because I don't want them to get too chewed up or, you know, yep. whatever. I don't want to lose them. So they just sit there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. An amazing dude.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's cool that you got that – a bit of an inside run there, hey, like mm-hmm. rubbing shoulders with, um, you know, what were, I guess, fly fishing, fly fishing elite, royalty. if you like. Yeah. 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 Max Caruso. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the biggest name in fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> what <a pump> up. <laughs> Uh, But um, yeah, it's a shame he doesn't work Fridays actually He would have been great to have around the table today But anyway, (laughs) Max, uh, I hope you're listening mate That's a test actually (laughs) I wonder if he listens to our podcast (laughs) Um, But yeah, that that was obviously a pretty uh, uh, Your growth as a fly fisher obviously accelerated during that
2: time Would you say? Absolutely So yeah, I mean I fished as, as a kid But just off the back of dad, you know Just being dragged along so to speak The the passion probably realistically, I fished yeah I fished uh, I got into it. Sorry, I am thinking I am thinking fast here. He is he is (laughs) forty. Yeah, I I am am (laughs) forty, and I have just had lunch with Fuller. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, probably in my early twenties I got back into it when i was when I was living up there in the mountains, and it'd be rude not to, I suppose. But um, then. Then I suppose my passion – I went overseas and we lived in – my wife, my now wife, um, then girlfriend, Samantha and I, we went and lived in Southeast Asia for three years. And I remember it was about halfway through the third year I started waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to go back to sleep. And what I was thinking of was magpies calling, the smell of eucalyptus. Tiger snakes, <laughs> um, you know, Freestone streams, cold mornings, trout, and I, I would dream and I would I would obsess about a brown trout rising up and eating a royal wolf, mm. um, to the point that actually bloody. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's taking his top off, guys. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that oh, surface, no way. That. <laughs> yeah. that is the best royal Wolf that anyone's ever seen. <laughs> on the right back, folks, for those listening, there yeah. is a four-inch royal Wolf I got a tattoo of royal walk. Yeah, which Samantha was a bit shocked and surprised at <laughs> our choice of taboo. But um, you know, <laughs> it's a bit different to love and yeah. hate on the yeah. knuckles, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> anyway whatever floats your boat i suppose but i remember being in southeast asia and just needing needing to be back in australia casting to trout. Yeah, like, that's a fair you know conversation point actually like the
0: fact both of you guys are pretty well traveled but you've been drawn back to australia you, you actually both love being here like what about you guys you traveled around south america for a long time you know the the attractiveness of australia was was always going to bring you back right definitely mate i um Back in 2014, embarked on what could have been two years
1: in Africa. I'd finished my job at the time and um, Steph and I, my now wife, said, uh, well, let's go and have a serious look at potentially, you know, building a bit of a career there, uh, being in ag and, you know, that can sort of merge into ag development and apply my skills for the better over there, Yeah, you know, help um, farmers be better and understand finance and, you know, grow businesses and so forth. So, you know, I've always been open-minded to living elsewhere, Absolutely. And we spent six months there, and we had a good look around. So I spent three months in South Africa. I think two or three on my own, and you know went up and fished in Lesotho actually for trout, which is that little country in the highlands, which is completely surrounded by South Africa. Fished for tiger fish, and uh, we where did we go? Botswana, Zambia, Tanzania, up into Uganda. Even fished for trout in Uganda. Mm. They I have it or not? No. Yeah, don't bother. <laughs> 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 They're there, but it's not great. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Just always new. It's like, do we realise how good we've got it mm. in Oz? We're so lucky how good we've got it here. Yeah, just always new deep down. It's coming back to Oz despite yeah. um, loving loving
0: travelling and loving living overseas. No, that's good. Yeah, no, I think we all kind of it, – it, it is funny though. Like you, we, the grass is always greener. It's easy to jump on a plane and go somewhere on some kind of exotic fly fishing holiday. But then – it's amazing how you come back and you reflect on it and yeah, Australia, we we definitely punch well above our weight, I think, when it comes to fly fishing opportunities and, you know, if I can maybe selfishly say Melbourne, as far as its close proximity to good trout fishing, Sam, as you were touching on, you know, within two hours, we have so
2: much great fishing, hey? Oh, we're so lucky, absolutely. And I mean, I know this is a, 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 a fly fishing podcast, but, you know, just, just society and how lucky we have life is is unbelievable you know it's amazing coming back from south living in southeast asia for three years and um you know the, the conversations that you come back to are oh, you know the language used around oh, the government's disgusting and the public transport this and the the congestion on the roads that and i'm like oh my god this is pretty serious first world problems you know <laughs> I suppose that's what travel gives you—is perspective, isn't it? But you know, to bring it back to, to fly fishing, you know, we have both travelled a fair bit, um, and without question, Australia—we are so lucky. I'm the same as Gus. There was absolutely no question ever. There's a lot of questions in my mind about what I'm going to be when I grow up. But one thing I do know is that I want to live in Australia. Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: What about
0: fly fishing? Could you ever see yourself like being content? To the point where you're like, oh, okay, I've, I've done everything there is to accomplish in fly fishing now.
2: Oh uh, He's a good, isn't he? <laughs> what a
0: question. <laughs> what a question. He's <laughs> learning. We're right. six episodes in. He's <laughs> learning. <laughs> There's
2: a nice new Euro rod over there I with your I name guess, on it, Sam. Yeah, oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> um, look, it, yeah, I, I sort of alluded before, I've never been one. I remember a trip in Tassie with you, actually, Fuller, where um, – you were giving me shit for not owning a pair of waders. Mm. And, um, the,
0: the one guy I know who's been bitten by a snake <laughs> doesn't own waders. I wonder why I thought that was strange.
2: <laughs> <Idiot>. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually, it's funny, you know, if, you're, if my boys were here, so I've got two boys, um, 10 and 6 years old, and if they were here and I asked them, how do you be safe in the bush, their answer would be slow down. So, you know, fly fishing to me has always been about slowing down and about connecting with what's around you and um, I, I wasn't fly fishing when I got bitten by a snake. I was, um, it was, it was, yeah. you weren't taking your time, were you? I was not taking my time. But when I fish, it's the one time, and my wife may disagree with me um, based on a based on her experience with fishing with me. <laughs> but it was the middle of an evening rise and I was pretty keen to get to the next section. Of <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do, you know, actually I've, I've written a list of names down here of people that have um, had an influence on me in my life and, and there's a guy that he lives he's at Hillsville. He's very prepared
0: for this podcast, guys. <laughs> Strap yourself in. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, there's a guy that lives at Hillsville, He's he's... He'd be ten years younger than me, and he's uh, a guy called Nathaniel Harabi, and and Nathaniel um, is is similar to me in the fact that like quite often he'd have one little tiny fly box. He he owns one fly rod, and he doesn't he he doesn't engage himself with the fly fishing community um, so much as he fishes every river within reach, and he's caught he knows the trout by name in some of those streams up there. When I started fishing with this guy, I would be like a bloody—I'd uh, be stomping up the river and trying to get to the next pool and looking for the next spot and, and just wanting to catch the next fish and going, going, going. And this guy would just stop and he'd stand and he'd watch a pool and he'd watch and he'd watch and he'd say, "There's the fish. There he is. That's his bait. That's where he's working." And it it, it blew my mind. And I suppose to bring it back to your question, Fuller is um you know, you go through phases in your in your fly fishing life, I suppose, you, 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 you go through these passionate phases where you just can't stop thinking about it and you lie awake at night and that's all you can think of and then you go through these phases where you enjoy teaching other people or you fish with someone different and and you slow down or you speed up or you do something differently. But every, everyone has an influence on you. And, and, and then in reflection, when you look back, you go, oh, my God, that changed me or I've mm. changed what I do now or how I think about fly fishing or even the world because of the person that I stood on that river with. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally amazing. It, it teaches you so much. It yeah. does. How often today do you go and spend... More than two hours,
1: three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours with one person in close proximity with the same intention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's pretty rare, isn't it? Like There's you nothing get to else know like someone, it, yeah. yeah. You like, okay, you'll soon find out whether you want to spend more time or less time with that person, won't you? Particularly if you've already shared a hotel room or a flight or a car trip, yep, or a drift ride or whatever it is, you know, drift boat. With that person You're like Yeah I'm pretty keen To do more of that That was good fun Or Oh jeez That like gets on my nerves A bit You know Maybe I'll just
0: He'll be the third bloke I call Not the first It's the ultimate test For a relationship Isn't it In it's a way a, You yeah. know Like And I think that's uh, You know Something I want to talk A bit about You know Like you guys Obviously click Like the way you fly fish, you fly fish in a similar way, similar speed. They're holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure how this will be received, but either. you know we all have. Well, not all of us, because I think a lot of people struggle to find that fly fishing friend or, or, or any fly fishing friend for that matter, because there is quite often so much distance between fly fishers. What we do is is pretty niche you know it's not something that everyone even knows what fly fishing is but um you know when you do get that person that fishes in the same way you do uh you you don't really want to fish with anyone else do you only because your time's precious and as soon
1: as you have kids your time becomes more precious and more scarce so you just want to make the most of it you do and i've taken plenty of old school mates uh fishing and just tearing your hair out, like, come on, mate, we're six hours in, and you still can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on, mate, just put it there. Yeah, it's not
0: that hard. Yeah, but by the same token, there's something nice about showing someone
2: fly fishing, isn't there? Oh, I, I, we, we've True. got we've got a group of friends that um, we've introduced to fly fishing, and we do a, a weekend a year, every single week, every single year, um, up on the Bundara, and, and we call it the Bundara Hunt Club. And um, there's there's probably half a dozen guys we've introduced to fly fishing, and I remember a couple of their first fish. In, in fact, I remember, my, you know, my son is a perfect example, but I, rem- I remember these guys' first fish. And the kick you get out of getting someone to catch their first fish is as good, if not better, than catching a fish yourself. Yeah, you know, definitely. Training someone else is is yeah. pretty exciting yeah. and, and, and
0: frustrating. <laughs> there might be that frustration <laughs> before it happens, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, but when it all does come together,
0: there's for something sure. pretty sweet about that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I remember...
2: Um, just going back to darcy my 10 year old we were we were driving we, we'd been up at omeo and and we we're driving around the side of rocky valley dam and obviously your eyes are not on the road riser riser right this one there's a rise hey and 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 Darcy calls out hey daddy there's a rise and he's risen again and then you go around the corner <laughs> and and me my, my other son was fast asleep in the other seat and darcy would have been about six at this stage and um and I looked across at Samantha and raised my eyebrows and she said, go on, go on. So we pulled <laughs> over, got the fly rods out, had to rig up. So we rigged up this little, I've got this sort of fiberglass zero weight that's this floppy thing in your hand, but it's just perfect to learn because if you can cast with that, you can cast with anything. And we rigged that up and, and I said, what, what fly do you want, Dust? What fly? He said, red tag, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so we popped a red tag on and I said, here you go, you take it, you go. You know, and I just followed him down And he was wearing underpants and a pair of cowboy boots <laughs> <laughs> Just like his dad <laughs> And he walks down and, and he casts out to where this trout had risen a couple of times And, and, and nothing happened and, and I sort of lost interest and wandered along I saw another rise a bit further I wanted to see if I could try to spot this fish So I walked along And then I hear, Dad, got it, <laughs> <laughs> And I turn back and Darcy's into this trout and uh, so you know, and and he, and he fought it, and he brought it in, and he caught it. Wow! And then he released it, and and I just it, it took the, it was a moment. It was like turning forty. It was a moment <laughs> <laughs> where I looked at him, and I just you know, like it's your son, it's your son, and it's your passion, and it's and it's and it's life, and and it's a place that's also you're extremely connected to, and. And I just – oh, it was the best thing that I think – it's one of the best moments of my life mm. when my son saw a fish, chose the fly, cast to it, mm. caught it, fought it, and then released it at the end. I was just like, oh, my God, that's success right there. Yeah. And maybe that shared
0: passion as well. I think maybe, like, with a son or a daughter, sharing that passion in anything, whether it's fly fishing or something else, it doesn't matter. But, you know, it,
2: it's the ultimate connection, isn't it, To yeah, oh, for sure, mm. for sure. And, I mean <laughs> – it was an, another story. It's also up there. We, we had a very close mate, um, Bob Kelly, who's a whipmaker from Omeo. Um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful human being. Spent a lot of time with him on the upper midter as well, just camping out and drinking stones, green ginger wine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're a class act. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, Bob, Bob passed away last year, and um, I was very fortunate and honoured to speak at his funeral. So we drove Samantha and I drove over the top of Falls and and went down and um and it was a perfect day and had a fish in Pretty Valley on the way over and, and uh, caught a couple of amazing fish. Don't ever that that's an amazing underrated fishery up there. I can tell sure. you that. Um, anyway. We, I, I measured the time. I thought we've we've got enough time, but I sort of forgot that Samantha had to get that Samantha's my wife and and extremely supportive. <laughs> I'm like, we've got. It would take a very time. special woman. <laughs> yeah, we know that. Mate. There's no no debate there. Yeah, please go on. I'm like, I just I just want to fit. I just want to. I want 15 minutes in the middle in the you know up here <laughs> at, at Glenwells. So she's like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. So ran in there and, and actually by coincidence, recently pre- previous to that, we had um done Gus and I and a couple of other mates had done a day with Tom Jarman up there, learning how to Euronymph and we watched Tom pull a fish out of the spot where everyone walked down to fill up their billy or wash their plates and at the campground, right? Fish next of to the day. Mo- fish of the day. Yeah. And 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 I sort of thought to myself, I bet that's a, that's a resident brown for sure. So I walked straight to that spot. Walked down through the caravans in the campground and and um, so put on a nymph and cast down to this spot and just went bang and hooked into this fish. And I'm sure it was the same fish. It was it looked exactly the same. Um, anyway, let the fish go, jumped back in the car, raced into Omeo and as we drove past the church to go and get changed, uh, everyone was walking into the church <laughs> <laughs> for the funeral. And so Samantha had... She had exactly one minute and 45 seconds to get changed in the public toilets in Omeo <laughs> for this funeral. Very forgiving lady. And she <laughs> said... And you're still married. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. She loves fly fishing. LAUGHTER <laughs> Oh,
0: shout out there to, uh, you know, all the loved ones that Special have to ladies. put up. Yeah. <laughs> with us addicted fly fishers, we are a rare breed, <laughs> that is for sure. Um, but, yeah, so you discovered Euro nymphing. Let's talk a bit about that, Sam. Um, you know, what uh, – because you were a bit resistant. Gus, not so much. You, you know, you're always session, always open-minded, I would say, oh, in comparison thanks, to uh, you, Andy. your yeah. comrade here in Sandstreet. Very <laughs> much
1: so. <laughs> it was that session on the Tyena with Jarman uh, going – Route. This is mm. worth looking into, and uh, as I think you might have said the other day, Sam, it just makes September and October look all the more different. You know, it's like September and October on the Stevo, for instance, is moderately appealing, you know. But yeah, you're on everything I can go and have a sensational day, early season, late season, and uh, yeah. Finally, many years later, he came around to it on the December organised. Um, Tommy to come and, uh, you know, coach us or, if you will, guide us for a couple of days, a group of half a dozen of us up on the upper midter. And uh, because we've been having these La Nina seasons and the rivers have been full of water and high flows, conditions were certainly suboptimal. But we all caught plenty of fish because, you know, we're getting guided by one of the best. And uh, he came around to it and he's like, this is amazing. (laughs) You know, everyone's (laughs) having 15, 20 fish days.
2: Yeah. You know, everyone. I actually, I actually, I know there'll be a lot of people here that. Um, revere Tom Jarman. I actually really dislike him. <laughs> he poisoned you, Tom. You've ruined everything. <laughs> I was so comfortable. I was so happy with who I was and where I was with Flight Machine. <laughs> I was so happy walking past those really deep, fast pools that, you know... Fast you'd, runs. You'd never think about, you'd never worry about. You'd just go to the next section of water. And, you know, as Gus said, we had this day where... You know, I think we'd had about 40 mils of rain and the middle was flowing. It was pumping. and Struggled all across it. Yeah. And we'd all been up in a hut in the mountains the night before, a bunch of blokes that hadn't seen each other for a while. So needless to say, we'd had... Two beers each <laughs> and, um, and an early night. And and it was the type of day where I thought oh, I might roll over and, you know, we'll think about a fish in the afternoon. And and Tommy Jarman rocked up and he was really excited. He's like, this is perfect conditions. This is brilliant. I'm like, mate, it's high flows. It's it's racing. We can't even get in the river. He's like, no, nah, it's perfect. It's perfect. And so we walked to the first section of river where, you know, on a, on a normal day with nymph under dry, how I've always fished, Um, you know, you'd think, oh, you know, there's a very good chance that I may catch a fish there. And I think about six fish and ten minutes later, I'm like, oh, my God, he he has. I don't know why I'm paying him for this. He should be paying me. (laughs) 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 And, uh, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, we had an incredible couple of days up there learning something that I was extremely hesitant towards. And um, I have now bought. A Euronymphing set up <laughs> and I'm <am> excited about <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of a light
0: bulb moment, you know, being exposed to that Euronymphing. And um, do you think like, has that like extended your season? If you guys are addicted to rivers, is it sort of, you know, now you just, it, it's a bit more of a year round thing?
2: Yeah, as, as Gus said before, like, normally September doesn't excite me much at all. Mm. I might get out and muck about a bit late September or early October, but realistically I don't sort of start to get all that excited about fishing the rivers until sort of, you know, November really. Um, but, yeah, as I say, the nymphing has probably changed that dramatically, so I, I can't wait for September now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. And no lakes? You guys aren't going to be fishing the lakes through winter?
0: Oh, look, time being so precious, mate. I I, did, I grew up, lived in
1: Bellarat for a couple of years, and Wenderee's a pretty decent fishery, mind you. I enjoyed living close to Wenderee, used to wander down in the evening catch plenty of fish, and fun, you know, casting to the slurp, as yep. I used to call it, because you'd end the slurping down the mud eyes. Yeah. And um, you couldn't see your lines. pitch black. you would just casting um, Craig's Night Times and those kind of mud eye patterns. That was yep. fun. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't say it's not super appealing. I, I mean, you can obviously catch plenty of good fish, but... Um, I'm, yeah, it's not high on my list at the moment. I'm, I'm pretty excited about my new gear purchase. I recently made the Flyfisher <laughs> folks. <laughs> Thanks for the plug, mate. Um, <laughs> uh, got a family holiday coming up to Fiji in a few weeks, so I'm going to try
0: and sneak out the front door, so to speak, and see what I can find.
1: Mm.
2: Um,
0: so with with children and um, you know those opportunities to fish, you kind of need to make a conscious effort just to get those little windows. Is that sort of where it gets to? Do you think? Or? All credit to Steph, who's a brilliant planner. My wife is <laughs> already talking about the autumn of
1: twenty twenty three, and oh, do you want to go to Tasmania? Yes, yes, lock it in. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you just got to plan ahead. It's just challenging. I mean, I think everyone goes through it. You just you really appreciate that time is short, and if you're away for the day there with the kids, and unless you've been with a three-year-old and a nine-month-old all day, you just don't appreciate how intense that can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, bringing my kids are great. They're, you know, they're tough or difficult by any stretch, but it's just you know, it's just busy. So yeah, yeah. it gives you a whole new appreciation of planning ahead, and and yeah, absolutely.
0: And um so at what age do you think, you know, time might free up and you'd be able to really devote your time to a bit more fly fishing,
2: do you think?
1: I don't know. Sam's kids are a little older. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I would I would echo what Gus said. You know, for all those budding parents or uh <laughs> fish now. Mums and dads with young Is this a big ad for contraception or yes. <laughs> wear condoms? <laughs> Or sell your fishing gear. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is, without question, there is a couple of years that it is really, really tough and you need to probably adjust your expectations and <laughs> I, would, I would argue as a, as a hopefully modern dad that, um, you know, maybe don't go fishing as much as I did. <laughs> <laughs> be at home and be a bit more supportive. But um, jokes aside, I reckon that yeah, there's definitely a couple of years that's hard and you don't fish much at all or you're very lucky when you do and you should appreciate that um, but it, it definitely gets easier my boys are both at school now primary school and um, if we feel like we've got our lives back you can go away you can have nights away you can take turns it's it's a lot easier once they sort of reach five, six that age um, yeah and you can start to share that hobby with and them and you start bit. to share it which you know as as I mentioned to you before yeah. Fuller, like it's it's, it's both heaven and hell in exactly the same moment because uh, you're sharing something with, with your child, your daughter or your son, but, you know, you just want to rip the bloody rod out of their hands and <laughs> catch that fish. <laughs> hey, and having said that, I have taken Wally in the backpack a few
1: times, so it's not impossible. It's mm. obviously challenging. but well, there's uh, a will, there's a way. Yeah, there's a way. I've had him, he was about, oh God, I don't know, 15 months the first time up on a, one of the trips of the upper midter. Yeah. And, um, uh, that's a good it, effort. Yeah, he was young enough to stay in there for a couple of hours and even, like, fall asleep. Now he just wants to get out and do it himself. Yeah. But more recently, um, well, he's a bit over two and a half on the ovens, you know, where you sort of can't go wrong. Um, just had a couple of hours, and even in the middle of a heavy summer rainstorm, he was having a ball because he was hanging out the back. Here I was, I thought he was watching me going, oh, yeah, nice cast, Dad, and all that kind of stuff. But he was hanging out the back of the backpack with his... Um, John Deere plastic rod (laughs) with the string and the plastic hook. I'm going to, he was doing his own fishing. I'm not interested in what you're doing, Dad. That's Take care of your catching fish. I'm doing my own fishing. Yeah. He's telescopic John Deere rod. He loved it.
2: Yeah. And what do you reckon the best way to get your kids into it is? Did you follow what Dad's doing or. It's very different from the first child to the second child. The first child being Darcy, is that right? Yeah. I've got Darcy and Ted. So Darcy's 10 and Ted's 6. Darcy had no option. He, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, if, yeah. if, if if he wasn't a fly fisherman, he probably wouldn't be living with us anymore. <laughs> so he doesn't get a choice. Poor, poor Darcy. <laughs> yeah. Darcy can be whatever he wants and there's no pressure anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Samantha told me to say. Uh, um, but, but, you know, the second child, the pressure's off, you know... It, um, yeah, he can be—he can actually be whatever he wants. <laughs> but not the middle child. No, the middle child has certain expectations. <laughs> I, I think what Gus said—you know, having a backpack and having them with you, and and re- reducing your expectations of what you want to achieve—you know, it, it's that exposure, and it's for—it's like anything in life with kids. I think exposing them to as many things as possible at an early age um, means that you can't go wrong. So. In in if you if we're talking about fly fishing specifically, you know, not. I think the key thing is making it fun. The second that becomes the second you have an expectation about what you want them to achieve, it's not going to be fun anymore for them, and they're not going to want to do it. And I write advice. And and I remember that from you know like early days on the jibbo with dad. I don't ever remember dad giving me instruction. I don't remember it. And and it's something that I've actively taken into account with Darcy especially and, and Ted, Ted very much so is, is trying to make it fun and just being there and, and le- letting them lead it and, and if they're wanting to be there, that's the win. Yeah, um, you know, and, and how much chocolate do you need to make it fun? <laughs> well, for my boys, it's a campfire, so a little fire and boiling a billy that, like, you can keep them there for as long as as long as you want, really. So if you light a fire somewhere, and then I can I can fish within depends who you ask. If you ask Sam, I'd be fishing within a hundred meters of it. If you ask someone else, it might be more like two <laughs> <or> hundred. <laughs> the campfire far enough to a matter. Screams. I can hear it. Yeah, I can hear them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. But just having them there with you, I think, is the key. Yeah. Yeah. Some good advice there, Gus. Are you taking that? That is good <laughs> advice. You want
1: to make it fun. Uh, I think it was Rexy Hunt, even that might have heard in the early days, said uh, if you want to get your kids into fishing, the worst thing you do with any kid is try and force him into anything. They're mm. going to push back, right? Human nature just make it fun. Make yeah. it fun. Like Wally, my three year old he loves just going through a fly vest. He reckons it's awesome. There's so many mm. knickknacks in there and boxes. <laughs> he loves the names. Ooh, Willow Grub. You haven't introduced him to boobies yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. no. Wooly bugger, what a great name. He loves that. Yeah. 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 Sex dungeons. <laughs> no, maybe you know, down Eddie. the track. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, the So those. um, What about work commitments? Like, what do you see as being the hardest hurdle to get over um, for you guys? Is it the work commitments, or is it the family life that's the hardest thing to kind of get the time? Mm. Oh look, everyone's life. It's life. It's It's life
2: is
1: busy. I mean, you think about the the types of communication that come at you on a daily basis. So you got Microsoft Teams and Zoom meetings today over both. You got emails. You got WhatsApp family operates on signal plus text. This is just, you know, work, work is not 9 till 5. It's not 8 till 6 anymore. And yeah. particularly when you're dealing internationally, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And then trying to balance that with work uh, family and just switch off, put the phone aside. Um, I don't know. I think you've just, phones, you've got to try and put them aside, I find. Otherwise, mm. you're inevitably on them. Like, it's the reality of anyone says they're not addicted to their phone. Yeah, they're kind of. They're designed to be addictive, aren't they? Yeah, that's right, and yeah. you know I think you could probably read peer-reviewed studies on the fact that blue light has various, you know, um, you know, sort of facets to it that it make it difficult to, to put down. So, yeah, you just got to I think when you're with family, you got to try and be present. I know it sounds super cliche, but mm. it is it, the cliches are cliches because they're
2: factual. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, I definitely agree with that, Gus. Like, um, you know, the, the best places you can go fly fishing is where your phone doesn't vibrate in your bloody pocket um, but the same thing with family like the, the best family experiences you have is when your phone's not vibrating in your pocket I, as well I'm not the best at it but always trying to get better I, I'm probably the, one of the best dads but <laughs> <laughs> it's not a competition mate <laughs> I, re- I remember <laughs> this is a no ego podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember camping on the little river a couple of years ago and Darcy found this pink lure do you remember this Tazzy devil or something? Uh, it was something like a ta- yeah, whatever. It's a bloody lure. It's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> and and he found he found a rod with a lure attached to it and he started casting it around the campfire. I wouldn't let him cast it in the river. And <laughs> and um and uh, he got it caught in a bit of grass and he pulled it back and he it back and it came flying back and whacked him in the face. <laughs> And the barbs went right through his, uh, just above his, ho- above his lip, and it got stuck in his face, and and the other barb was in his in his beanie that was hanging over his eye. So he was actually a really, really, really lucky boy, and so we ended up um, in the Alexandra Hospital, <laughs> and with, with um, a doctor. I, you know, in hindsight, I probably would have done a better job at pulling it out myself. She was not. Exposed to this sort of injury before, but <laughs> the the barb was deep inside him and he had a very, very sad look on his face with this lure attached to his face <laughs> for a couple of hours. While I. This not a laughing matter, in <laughs> <no. laughs> <laughs> Poor kid. And so while, while we're driving into Alexandria, I've got a vid- great video on my phone where I turn around and I take a video of him. I wasn't driving at the time, I might just say, but I turned around and took a video of him and said, you Now, Darcy, what have you learned? <laughs> Fly fishing is the right way to go. <laughs> Lua fishing is the devil. <laughs> <laughs> and it's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> important lesson. So uh, many lessons, you know.
0: Yeah. One, yeah. you have to be a fly fisher
2: and yeah. Secondly. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the parents how they sell your appellas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. But yeah, look, the other thing with with you know coming back to your question but how do you get your kids into fishing my my earliest experience of fishing is with once again with dad down we, we had we grew up on one of the most southernmost farms in the mainland of australia and we'd go down to these gutters off the cliff we had cliffs on three sides of the farm and and we'd we'd just um not um periwinkles or, or chinaman's hats off the rocks and we'd just chuck them on a hook without a sink or anything and drop them into the gutters, and we just catch um, parrotfish, and it'd just be parrotfish after parrotfish after parrotfish after parrotfish. But you know, as a as a kid under the age of ten, it was the most exciting thing in the history of the world. And I remember there was um, there was a, a rock pool there, and there was an octopus that lived in the rock pool, and we chuck all the parrotfish. You know, there'd be fifty or sixty of these poor parrotfish in this little <laughs> oh, rock pool, or, or swimming around the octopus. They're not a test fish, mate. <laughs> it was technically catch and release. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was before I met Jim Allen and Luna got the catch and release Before <laughs> any thought of conservation Jim. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the tide would come in and they'd all swim back out again We'd go down the next weekend and do it again But it was the most <laughs> engaging yes. thing in the world It was the best Yeah, Jim, of course You mentioned Jim He said on your podcast Which actually really
1: resonated with me He he said it early on He said, I think fishermen are born and not made
0: Yeah yeah. Maybe he's wrong Well, maybe but In these conversations so I,
1: you know My mother Not didn't introduce me my father had zero interest there was this crappy old plastic tackle box on my back veranda that I just remember like I thought it was like some, some kind of shrine I used to just like pour over it mm. some long lost uncle that somehow we inherited this crappy gear and it was just I used to think it was fascinating pouring all over it look how did I get into fishing nobody mm. pushed me into it whatsoever we just happened to have a dam at home somebody said oh maybe we should put some trout in there I just had a ball I got to the point I remember it at uh, Tilden Primary School, which is you know, mm. where I went to primary school up in the Macedon Ranges. Um, I think I took my – you know, we were swapping marbles and all this sort of crap that you do in primary school. We were swapping fishing tackle. Great. I'll take your float there, mate. Oh, yeah of your siltar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. I don't know. It felt like weeks probably lasted days, that craze, but I just remember going, how much fun is this? How can you not love this? Yeah. And, uh, how come you don't want to get on your bike and go out to Lauriston and the upper column? And, and you know, I just thought it was the best. And uh, I can't remember everyone ever – uh sort of introducing me or fostering it i yeah. just loved it and i think um you know like your trevor is it Tr- uh, trevor hawkins the, the, the artist. Artist illustrator yeah. yeah you know seeing his pictures on freshwater fishing they always just like oh they look so good they always looked easy on the eye and i was just saying to S- uh, stringer before said, so looking at you know your books here in the shop they're easy on the eye you know mm. like fly fishing art and uh I, I as long as i can remember i've always like
0: I just think I think I really
1: liked that stuff. Mm.
0: You know. Did you get a bit of encouragement from mum and dad though? Like, was it you? Obviously showed an interest. Did they kind of foster that interest in some way? Do you think? Or Look, um, both my parents have passed at a yeah. pretty young age for me. Um, but if there's
1: one thing I could say about both of them, is they were terrific at encouragement. Generally speaking, doesn't matter what you were doing. Yeah. So, whatever your interest, if I'd been into ballet, they would have been right behind right yeah. me. I reckon. So yeah. I can't fault them in that respect. So, but I never once, like you said, Sam, that your dad never gave you any instruction. I can never remember going, maybe you should think about visiting. Not, not mm. once. Yeah. Mm. Just always, I don't know, sort of. Mm. Um, just general natural encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just had a natural sort of um, affinity for it, I think. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you and I both, you know, like I'm the same. You're no one Denny. in my family, you know, fly fish. I was in an area that had, you know, no fly fishing opportunities nearby, but here we are. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Did you watch Rexy? Was it? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Mad Cane Fisherman, and then it just you know went on from there. But um, yeah, it's it's a weird thing that you can either be born with or it mm. gets shoved down your throat. Like <laughs> <laughs> poor old <Duss>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he loves it. He
1: does. <laughs> I reckon you know more people would enjoy it if they just got the opportunity. I'd mm. use my wife as an example, right? And she's um, a good natural sport, so she picked up casting much better than most of my mates. And she's only done a few days of it. And, but just he's competitive naturally, good sport. And she'd be just standing on the riverbank casting. Oh, no, no, I didn't quite get that trick. Give me another go. Give me another No, no, time to move on. (laughs) It's like, no, no, no. no, I'll do this and lay out a beautiful cast and get the eight or, yeah. And uh, just get in the zone. Like, you know, you're in a beautiful environment by a lovely river. Um, The skill's got to be good to make it work. You know, Mm. it's not, you're not gambling. That's not chance. you know, it's a bit like people get addicted to golf or tennis because, like, oh, I can always be better, I can always be
0: better. There's a bit of that to it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So maybe, like, fly fishing has that capability to engage a, a whole bigger demographic than than maybe is currently being engaged by it just because they haven't been exposed to it. Couldn't agree more. Mm. Yeah. No, I think my experience... Oh, now, my wife has zero interest in fly <laughs> fishing for the record, but... I have taken a fishing, obviously on numerous occasions, and that experience of wading up a river, actually standing in the water in a valley, and that perspective that you get from being in that that position in a, in a river, uh, is something that's pretty special, you know. And I think everyone can maybe get something from that. Yeah. So, so maybe it's up to our fly us fly fishers just to you know spread the. I've done a bit of that.
1: I'm not sure how many people we would have got into it in the last five years. You know, no, looks- you guys have been like a bloody
0: virus. <laughs> <have you? laughs> uh, WhatsApp groups grow out of hand pretty quickly <laughs> and people <laughs> get into it and <laughs> well, this looks like a bit of fun. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Gus started a WhatsApp group <laughs> and uh, it it quickly got to the point where he needed to appoint someone a manager, I think. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, like a full-time admin uh, staff. Yeah, it does, you know, went from out three. To lost, it was course. just yourself
1: and I, I think, and our virtual mate, Willie Minson, reporting on... The sort of the um, mm. the idea was if you've come back from the Goulburn and, and or out up that to way, reports, yeah. yeah, tell us what you've got up to, you know, give us up mm. to report, and then it just grew and grew and grew, and then uh, I was about twenty five, and then Christmas
0: dinners and all the rest of it. <laughs> 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 but it's been fun. It's been fun. Absolutely, no, it is good. Um, but yeah, the like for you guys now, what's maybe your fly fishing ambitions like? Uh, Gus, you're obviously off to Fiji saltwater. Tell us, have you done much saltwater before? I uh, haven't done a lot. Look, just here and there. I've had the odd opportunity when
1: I finished that great Africa trip years ago um, at some time in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And how often do you find you go to these fantastic locations to be anticlimactic? As you said yourself, you know, Cape York or wherever, it's not always the glossy pics, mm. you know, on the front, <clears throat> front page of the fly fishing magazine. There's often nasty weather or, for example, the bonefish I caught, my first bonefish, Sight casted, beautiful. And then he just ran straight into some weed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like a trout might on some strap weed or something. So he's just like, right. uh, more or less dead weight, like, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, anti-climax. <laughs> I was super lucky to catch a permit. I've got a permit on that trip. Um, uh, sort of not, not far from Cancun, out in the back of... Amazing. Out that way. Yeah. And I still very, very clearly remember pulling the fly out of a tarpon's mouth, basically under my rod tip. And tarpon are rolling everywhere. You just... It was amazing what I cast. And mm-hmm. then one came in close to the boat and I basically flicked the fly out and he opened his enormous gob and I ripped it straight out
0: of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that, that memory will stay with oh, you forever, yeah, mate. it's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> I think
1: Phil <laughs> Philip says, you know, you always remember the ones you missed. Yeah. Uh, so, I, look, I haven't done a lot of saltwater fishing. Keen to do more. I'd love to chase a few more GTs and things. I uh, have been to Xmouth and just the watching a Golden and there's plenty – listing that will have done way more saltwater fly fishing but watching a big trevally it's all about the eight isn't it you know just watching them open the voluminous mouth around your fly and then turn on it mm. it's like i've been here out here for hours for that two second moment <laughs> yeah, yeah that, it is a little addictive and the power of them of course mm. definitely mm. yeah oh well that'll be a good trip mate you hope so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'll have to take a leaf out of sam's book and uh, yeah Put the kids in childcare and hopefully
0: anyone who's got tips on fly fishing Fiji, send them through. Has mm. Steph, you know, shed, scheduled, you know, a couple of hours here and there where you're allowed to uh, go for a bit of a walk. We'll wipe. make it work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> what about yourself, Sam? All right. Uh, Gusso, success is an attitude, mate. You'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, for me, it, it's, it, it, it's not lineal. Fly fishing is... Fly fishing is an amazing thing. It's the, it's the one consistent thing in my life that, you know, things come and go and passions come and go and hobbies come and go and I've got probably too many things that I love doing. Fly fishing is the one thing that is never changes. Um, how a fly fish probably does, you know, we talk about Um I've got a tenkara rod that I've been through a phase of, you know, minimalistic fly fishing and um, have a very limited, you know uh, – I, I I go through different phases with my fly fishing, but, you know, the one thing I love is brown trout. I don't get that you – know, famous last words, but I don't get that excited about saltwater fly fishing. We spend plenty of time in boats down at home and um, fishing with bait or lures and stuff, but for fly, fi- fly fishing for me is about trout. It's about brown trout in the mountains, and it's about slowing down. It's about being away from people, um, you know, one or two good mates, Um so, you know, for me, I'm as excited as I was 20 years ago as mm. I am now uh, about doing that. You know, realistically for me, it's sharing it with my boys. Um, you know, Dad is still a, a major part of, um, you know, he's one of my closest mates and he's and w- we farm together, um, we fish together, we, we chat, you know, sometimes almost daily, a couple of times a week at least and, and you know, he's heavily engaged with the boys so... We've had some trips where, um, like just recently up at Walgomerang, which is up near the Snowy River there, um, we're in a team penning, which is um, drafting cattle on horses I- in a nutshell, um, where we entered a team with Darcy, Dad and I, and so it's three generations. And, and we're we're spending more time on rivers and camping and doing stuff like that together. So for me, it's about family. Um, you know, it, for me, it's always been about environment and connecting to the environment around us. It, it's It's got absolutely nothing to do with gear or rods or um, waders. As, <laughs> as good as all that stuff is. It, 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 yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Your road rod. But, you know, for me, you know, Wilderness, you know, numbers in fly fishing is a, a double-edged sword. I see the value of people engaging with the environment to protect it, but I also selfishly want to be in areas where there's no people. You know, for me, walking up a river with a fly rod, um, in my mind, what success looks like is no people. You know, I do a lot of fishing on my own. I, I enjoy it as much with other people as I do on my own, but, you know, and we've talked about that a bit, about the excitement of, of other people, but... Um, you know for me wilderness areas and and a healthy trout fishery is is why i fish and what i want for my boys and for the future of fly fishing you know so so environment is everything yeah, yeah. No, that's beautiful, mate. Well well said, absolutely. Uh, what about you, Gus? You know,
0: like um, when you do get back from Fiji and the trout fishing swings around, new season opening, what are we What are we thinking? All lines will be on the South Island of New Zealand for me
1: for, <laughs> the, for the 40th, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Look, yeah, echo a little bit what Sam said. If you live in town and you've grown up in the country, which is me, uh, uh, I you really appreciate getting out there yeah. into
0: the water. And uh, And you don't know until you're there. Do you? Like, it's kind of, it's easy to think of an excuse not to go fishing, but then when you actually are there and then you're like, holy shit, why aren't I doing Every this time. more often? So yeah. worth it. Yeah, completely agree. And look,
1: Melbourne's a big city now. You know, you only need a very, very small percentage of people that are getting out. You look how Mansfield heaves on a Monday morning, Saturday morning, just heaves with people. Right? Yeah. Because they're all out there deer hunting and getting out and camping <laughs> and sheepyard flat and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So it is harder to get out and go and find a bit of, you know, slice to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so um I look at try and get over the back of the falls and Hotham you know the upper, upper middle area is very special, I find so yeah, any yeah. excuse
0: to get there, andy yeah, absolutely, mate. Mm. No, it's been bloody great to sit down with you both and uh and have lunch and catch up and you know i think and I really hope that a lot of people can relate to to the stories that you guys have told um in this episode, but um yeah. Blokes uh, really great to catch up And, and you know um, Hope everyone gets a, a lot out of listening to this one And uh, until the next episode uh, Stay tuned Cheers. Oh
2: just before you go just yeah. real oh, real real Sorry real. Sam's oh, got right. something to well, say I'll just take my hand Actually, off yeah. Stop record button. Stop, mate, up, stop. <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't
0: said enough He wants more time <laughs> my, my turn <laughs> My podcast now Here we go He's going to tell me how I should be running the fly fishing now, Andy, <laughs> oh, just, just a
2: couple of words of wisdom because <laughs> he's got three years on me. <laughs> when you're forty. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say, like, um, it, I've listened to all your podcasts, and and you know what the fly fisher is is it's and what you're trying to make it. And I love the introduction to the podcast. And um, a- anyone can fly fish, and anyone can connect to the environment and and chase trout or whatever type of fish or, or fishing that you love to do. Um, you know, I think that I think that what you're doing is pretty amazing. But not only amazing and cool, but it's also really, really important. the way that you present it, and the platforms that you develop for people to be able to engage and talk and come into the shop and feel comfortable with doing that, um, you know. Absolute kudos to you and the fly fisher um, in, you know, in, in I'm down actually
0: here. not used to people saying nice things about me So this is pretty <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just I'm glad <laughs> this is being recorded actually I'm going to yeah. play my wife <laughs> this I'll, cut, I'll cut this bit out just for you <laughs> Sorry Sam oh, And you know like as I say earlier on Like I'm not a gear guy Like I probably haven't spent as much money As some other people have in your shop But it, you don't need lots of gear to go fly fishing But the positives are unbelievable um, you know, the opportunities for people with young families, the opportunity for ind- for, for single guys with hickeys on their hands. <laughs> <goodness. laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, I'm I, not was won- <laughs> I was wondering when the hickey would
1: come yeah. up. <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> here. Professionally, I wasn't allowed to talk about it. <laughs> Thanks, Saxon.
2: Fortress operation. Um, um, you know, what you do and what this. Insti- institution, it is an institution. You know, we we, we we talked about Jim Allen, and now we talk about Andrew Fuller. What you have here is important, and it will be important in the future. So, you know, I encourage everyone listening to this to support that institution and make sure that we add value and we leave stuff for the future, for the kids, and for people that want to develop this. We want to leave it better than what we've what we've experienced. So, let's you know keep that in the front of our minds.
0: Definitely, no, that's well said, Sam, and you know. Whilst we sell gear, what we connect through is fly fishing and and that's really what we're trying to broadcast here. So thanks very much for that, mate. Um, Till the next episode. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank you, Andy.